Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq el We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. If you are new to the Radio Islam family, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. We're on every night from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. And you can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You will find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. So wherever you get yours at, if that's SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play. Google is such a rough word. Google. Okay, say that slowly. Uh, but you will find us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. So, folks, those of you who are not new to the program, you know that we like to we like to unwind a little bit, right? Uh, we have a, a segment, Movie Talk, where I where I am joined in studio by uh, Bubba Murray, filmmaker extraordinaire. He he actually has another official title. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, he is known as the Great One. That's uh, true. <laughs> Bubba the Great. I'm sorry. Bubba the Great. It's it's been. That's with three B's. <laughs> three B's. B and then the B B. So. Oh, okay. Yes, right. Uh, for those of you who do not, if you have not tuned in before, this is your first introduction to Movie Talk. Let me tell you a little bit about. And I'm saying this off the top of my head. I'm not reading anything, right? I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Bubba. He is. Um, he is a filmmaker, hails from Oak Park, Illinois. Um, he won the 2017, 17, 2017. 2017. Um, tell me what it is. Well, I know okay. that you, you won it for the for, for uh, Robox. I, I, yes, for a short film, uh, a children's film uh, called Robox. Mm-hmm. So it took the 2017 International Black Film Festival Award again for mm-hmm. Best Family or Children's Movie. So we're still... The reigning champion, because they have not had that film festival yet. Thank you. And it will not happen. Because we've stopped the film it's festival. Over. I'm it's ending over. on top. That is the greatest children's <laughs> film you will ever see. And, and also Robots. a former writer for Desperate Housewives. Correct. Yes. Uh, and you've also written for, what else? No, no, you, you were no, part we, of the Fox. Fox oh, um, okay. I was, I guess yeah. I was, I was, I'm not used to doing this myself. I'm used I to see. just sitting here and hearing it. Yes. And letting it. Just kind of bees all over, over me, watch them all over me. So I was part of the NBC uh, scene showcase, a two-time participant, mm-hmm. uh, where I, uh, one of a very few people. Uh, I was also part of the Fox Writers Initiative. Yes, and I was in the ABC Writing Fellowship, mm-hmm. uh, and that covers most of some of those awards and programs. Uh, actually. I, as Robox is still doing the festival circuit, so I'm proud of with that. Mm-hmm. And I have another film that is a little off the family mm-hmm. uh, subject. It's it's more of a psychological thriller. It's called Awake, and that's also screening in the upcoming Chicago Horror Film Festival. Oh, horror! It is. It's it's still more of a psychological thriller, but there's some. There's some scares in there for you. Not not a lot of the jump scares, but right. it just it sort of gnaws into your brain the these scary possibilities. Okay. So, so well, look for awake. Thank you for uh, enduring that 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 rough intro. Uh, I said I was doing it off the top of my head, and it certainly sounded like it. 
So uh, I know these things, but thank you. Thank you very much. It's always good to, to sit and talk with you. Um, a month or so ago, you and I talked about Luke Cage. Correct. And we opened it up with a one of the things I talked uh, that that I mentioned. There was an article. A critic said that Luke Cage this season, that the, the writers, that everybody, they ran from real issues that are, uh, I guess, that, that we could say are prevalent in inner city America. Right. We're talking about black and brown communities primarily. Right. They felt, I think, uh, the the reviewer felt that they got away from the the Black Lives Matter hoodie controversy right. that was very uh prevalent in the first season right right and and at the time i had actually only seen the trailers right you had you you had seen it right had, had no, 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 it? no 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 hadn't seen it you hadn't yet seen it. because okay, it so cuz we talked about it before it actually released right it was okay but i saw it that day you know when it when it released but right. but it hadn't come out yet but since that time we have both had the chance to to, to go over it and I've you know watched some episodes more than once. Um and I've come to a completely different conclusion. I think that I think they're way off base. Um I think they're off base because they the, the article was more about, like you said, the the in your face, the in your face issues, right? The hoodie, what it symbolized, um uh the endangerment of, of of black men in particular as, as as it relates to their interactions with the law enforcement, but this was much more, much more layered, much more complex. Yeah, I'm, and I agree because I, I feel like again the first season they they made such a big issue with with the idea of black identity where it was a macro thing and mm-hmm. and it was. Uh, the black plight in the face of also white America. So you see sure. the, this battle where in the second season of Luke Cage, whereas they, it's not that they backed off, but I think some of the issues were more internalized within the black community. So it wasn't, right. so there were, there were issues that you may not universally understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, just if you aren't familiar with some of, of, of the internal workings of, of the black community, as far as let's say race, culture, uh, socioeconomic uh, perceptions within that community itself. Yeah, yeah, they actually took on they took on a topic that's really that's not uh, discussed much. It's not really, I think, uh, thematically present in a lot of in a lot of uh, films, and that is the relationship um, uh, or the composition of the, uh, the diaspora. Um, and then there was which, when there's been a lot of you know there's been a lot that's been written about it, uh, but I haven't seen that really present in, in film. So the idea, first of all, uh, Bushmaster, the the villain for this um, yeah. for for this season, who really I'm going to take a step back and, and, and go back to uh, Black Panther, okay, and say that he was not the I guess archetypal villain in that he was looking for destruction of the world, right? Um, and just he was just about villainy to use the same word to describe, you know. But he was he he kind of had a righteous cause, and he was sympathetic. And yes, yeah. he was he was again 
jumping piggybacking on you, yeah, he was trying to reclaim what he felt was his. Right. And so just in any sort of storytelling, if you can have some sort of sympathy for that antagonist, for the villain, I think you're going down the right path. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Bushmaster, just for people, if they don't know, Bushmaster was the main super-powered or enhanced, however you want to call that, mm-hmm. foil villain of the film or of the series who was set up against Luke Cage. And we know Luke Cage's powers are indestructible skin, uh, super strength, um, right. just, uh, <coughs> excuse me, just being, he's a powerful person who, he, down the line, he takes on the pseudonym Power Man, because mm. that's Luke Cage, he's power. This other guy, Bushmaster, has powers that rival or surpass Luke Cage as far as being strong. Mm-hmm. However, he has, for a comic book type of geek, let's say, like myself, he has a less effective healing factor. Yeah. So while Bushmaster gets hurt, when he tries to heal himself... It's not as effective, so he's... He's almost killing himself. He, yes, in order to heal, he uses he uses a special herb. Yeah, nightshade. Mm-hmm. Nightshade, yes. That, that's one of the, the, the main story plots, storylines of trying to procure this. Mm. It causes some sort of dementia, I'll say, uh, in him. The more he uses it, the more he loses uh, touch with reality and control of himself. Mm-hmm. So that's where... That's where you see his weakness. Where Luke Cage, he's more of an even keel. He's got his powers, and the only thing that is his real uh, Achilles heel is his own bravado, his own ego. So that's yeah. what he has to go up against. Yeah. But uh, but that's that's where we have these two characters. You know, I wanted to just add this about Bushmaster because I mentioned about the uh, diaspora, and so there's the Jamaican community. Uh, the Jamaican population of of Har- well, it wasn't Harlem. They were up. They were what area they were? They were in some other area, but within proximity to Harlem. And um, it's funny. One of the, so a part of the storyline is Bushmaster's family uh, and his uncle, who is can't remember. His, I don't remember his name, but uh, his uncle, who's at the the restaurant. So I guess it's him and his aunt that are that are they they own a restaurant they're there, and the conversation that they were having, it really it reminded me very much of those private conversations that that I imagine have taken place in many uh, in many African American homes with regard to making everybody look bad or having the yeah. carrying the, the the burden of representation, feeling like that if if I go out. And I do something that's negative. I do something wrong. Then it's going to make everybody look bad. And that was the exact conversation. That was the exact. That, that was kind of the, the the root of what his uncle was saying to him. Now, of course, we're not going to give everything away. But Bushmaster was trying to send a message that you know I'm here. I'm taking everybody out. And it was a violent message. Yes. And his uncle was like, "Look, you're gonna you're gonna have everybody looking at us." And looking over the fact that, you know, we're hardworking, we came here, we've we, we, we struggled, we've set up businesses, but they're going to see us in, as just the, the violent, uh, as the violent immigrant. I thought that was a really um, a, a powerful conversation to have inside of this 
larger conversation that where often, you know, if you know, if you got dark skin, you know, or you, you look black, then you're just you're all lumped in together. But there was a there was a, a much more uh, complex uh, conversation that was going on in there as well. Yeah. And I, the thing with that is, yeah, I think that it's easy to mask that argument in the current immigration policy in the in the climate that we're having with immigration yeah. where you're saying that or, or how our administration is approaching immigrants of color that and painting them with a negative brush yeah so some so the fact that you might lose or you you, you might attribute the storyline to just that to this current situation but you sort of lose the fact that yes uh people of color black people who have been here for generations are dealing with that on a day-to-day basis it's not just all of a sudden now right you have to think about or or it's a real discussion of you your actions are going to affect me negatively and the whole community negatively and then it brings up the question, though, what actions are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Is it that you don't like how I wear my hair mm-hmm. and then you see people with a more natural hairstyle? Is that saying that now I'm not worthy of getting a job or I'm not an academic or I'm not uh, – when I say – philanthropic i'm not a good person or i can't help other people out just because you don't like that specific aspect of me mm-hmm. which is not which people lump into criminal behavior which they will still attribute to the whole community right but right. just because they notice one sort of difference or outlier in the individual uh they try to smear a whole group mm-hmm. yeah and you know what um the, the whole idea that to, to the, the idea that Luke Cage, uh, you know, as a, from a creative standpoint, that has shied away from dealing with um, difficult issue, issues that are relatable uh, and that, um, that that have substance. Once again, after watching it, I gotta, you know, I just, I, I blank, you know, I just have to reject that. Uh, one of the issues that they did bring up, well, there, there are a couple. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with domestic violence. Um, and I think that, and they didn't just go to it. It wasn't just one scene, right? This was kind of a, a recurring, um, a recurring theme, you know, throughout, throughout the, uh, throughout the season. And that's something that's, it's not often talked about. And you don't really expect to see in, you know, I mean, in your, in your blockbuster Marvel, you know, movie, you don't really expect to see that topic being brought up, but that's something that, this uh that this this effort did bring up and and it has resonance in that community in particular i mean i think not just that community just in period you know period you know across the uh, across the nation not just here you know e- e- even abroad so I, I i take my hat off to them for for bringing it up even though there were not really any there were no resolution resolutions that were brought up but it did bring light to the fact that that this is a uh this is an ongoing problem yeah i well, and that was interesting, too, because they brought it up in, I think, two or three different ways. It wasn't just – well, it also – a lot of it revolved around Luke. 
yeah. and how he perceived himself and issues oh, with his uh, with his father returning. And I'm sorry, I, I'm a couple spoiler alerts, but the show's been out for a month, so if you haven't seen it, yeah, you, so you you did it to yourself at least a month. So, so you have a character Luke who's internalized all his his angst against his father and have, is having a hard time trying to. Uh, to to deal with these abandonment issues, right? Someone with this sort of power, when he then when he does lash out, mm-hmm. it's it threatens all of those people who are his loved ones who he can't, who they can't who they can't get Luke to open up with. Right. So you saw that, and so they 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 were clever in doing this in different ways. One with uh, the Rosario Dawson character, she expressed concern because. Luke had sort of had an outburst, did not touch again. Luke Cage character did not have did not perpetrate any violence against her or anything like that. It's just no. that her character expressed fear, and then that threat was embodied in this black man who's so powerful who can take down buildings with his bare hand. So, so you see how you can attribute that that violence to individuals. Um, did, did you feel like you were looking, in that scene that you're talking about, did you feel like you were looking at the makings of an abuser, a potential abuser, with that outburst? Yes. So that was, not that I thought he would become, but I think those are those telltale signs where you don't, where people start apologizing. So it, they have a cross, they have to, the abuser or potential abuser has to reach that crossroads mm-hmm. of, am I going to do something and address these demons that are inside of me or are I going to keep them inside? And then I may stop, la- I may stop targeting my, my rage towards inanimate objects or, or right. hitting the wall, hitting the pillow, going outside and kicking the garbage can to, now I hit my significant other. Right. Uh, that's you. You felt like he could possibly go down that path. So that 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 is what I saw in the character, which made me want to see where he was going to go with this. You know, um, I think the whole idea, the whole thing. I think of any superhero uh, film. Anytime you have somebody who has abilities that other people don't have and other people rely on to solve problems uh, that they look to for inspiration or guidance or protection, um, you have this, there's this this parallel that exists between this made-up reality and the real world that we live in where we do have uh, elected officials, we have faith leaders, we have activists, we have people that are the mouth, they are the mouthpiece for uh, that articulate the problems, you know, the concerns of folks who who don't have platforms. And so the central theme, I think, for all for all of these movies, it really is about it's about leadership. And the one thing that's always missing is uh, is self-care. And by that uh, particularly, I mean that you can only you can't give what you don't have. Right. So we looked at this idea. We looked at Luke Cage as a as a not just not not as a tortured individual, right? But somebody who's still working his own stuff out, uh, like you mentioned, with his father, uh, with, with his mother. His mother passed while he was, you know, in prison. 
falsely accused and locked up. His father turns his back on him, and he still hadn't gotten over all of that. But he sees himself as the protector of Harlem, and he is he's trying to wipe out crime and all of this other stuff. But he's never he hasn't taken the time to resolve those issues to to make sure that he is healthy. And there is a I think it's a striking um, uh, commentary or a parallel that exists between the leaders that we have in society and the way he dealt with his own leadership, um, you know, in, 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 a, in a fictional sense. But still, self-care to me is like that's one of the, the uh, an essential element or, or conversation, I think, that doesn't come up um, when, we, when we look at these things. Well, what I thought was interesting, and, you know, this is in how they broke up the story, is that you're also looking at your initial response to these sort of triggers is violence. Mm-hmm. So when you say someone in this fantasy world who has an ability, this is like this fantasy for most people. Like, if someone steps up to you wrong or does something, how are you going to react to them? You know, you, I'm going to shrink their head. Right. You know, you, that's the first reaction in your head. Like, yeah, I want to, like, you know, you punch them through a wall. Right. And so you've got this fantastic character who can do that. So that then becomes you've got the fantasy element of this character with this great power, but then he's set in a world with a real backdrop. And that's with these new type of shows. It's not your Saturday morning cartoon type of show. This is, right. we're setting it up against uh, a new version of New York that people know right. where you can't necessarily just throw people through walls if you want to, hmm. because there's going to be a reaction. They see, they see people cowering in the corner holes in a wall and a black man standing there with his fists clenched mm-hmm. you know what the thought is going to be you know you know how this ends doesn't end well unless you've got superpowers when someone's gonna like fire bullets at you and you mm-hmm. can state your case right so i think they move to trying to get to a point of saying you've got to deal with these demons because you know we're talking about it and you feel that's where they're going You've got to deal with these demons. You've got to be able to discuss things through. You've got to be able to not uh, – violence has to be l- the last resort if – unless your life is in danger. But you you don't start with that unleashed emotional response. Right. And I thought that's what they were moving on as far as – that character trying to make him seem trying to get hold of his emotions and becoming more calculating mm-hmm. and and but then to us but maybe he flips becomes mm-hmm. a little too calculating a little too conniving yeah you, you're going don't go don't go there yet i'm not saying that <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah but uh but just to say you've got to control your emotions and that's that's where I, I that's one of the things I felt they were playing with and did a good job with in this show. But that's why you didn't necessarily see these easy tropes of the of of Luke Cage in the hood, who's in the when I mean the hood in the hoodie, who is up against this stereotype that had been 
kind of thrown in our faces mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. Here's, here's one that they missed. Mental health. Um, we take it into consideration when our servicemen and women, when they come back from, um, from uh, violent conflicts, um, we take that into consideration. And, and there are programs, there are efforts that are set up, whether they have uh, ther- therapy dogs or they go to petting zoos or, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, there's, there's an effort to address this, um, this, this trauma, right, that, that exists uh, within, within these people because they've been places, they've seen things, they've been under, under conditions uh, that, are not, that are not normal. Now, when we think about just, just a week ago, matter of fact, this past weekend, there were 12 people, from what, what I recall, 12 people that were uh, victims of, uh, that, were, that were killed, right, victims of hom- homicide. Uh, and there were, said that the count was like 30 people and three hours were shot, and a total of uh, almost 70 people were shot over the weekend. When you think about those kind of numbers, and that's just, you know, for some reason, it made the papers this weekend. But there are multiple shootings every weekend in Chicago. Sure, there are multiple shootings every weekend in, in Detroit, in L.A., and New York. Um, so those people that live in those communities that have to, have to live with that, what, what type of stress must, must they be under, right? So I think that they brought up an issue, they addressed uh, a concern, this concern of mental health and the stress that, that, that people who feel like they can't show weakness uh, are under. And that's one of the uh, that's not I'm, I'm not going to say it's unspoken, but it's one of the most more stigmatized uh, ailments. Right. If you got if you have issues that you haven't figured out how to deal with on your own to go to somebody else to seek help is looked at in a lot of circles as weakness. So I think this is extremely uh, I think it's extremely important, and extremely uh, relatable. There's something that anybody that saw this, especially those who live in communities like this, should look at and say, you know what, this is something I need to be paying attention to, my own mental health, my own emotional well-being. Then I would say, going back to the original point as, as far as the reviewers saying that Luke Cage did not address certain issues or maybe it wasn't being as... Uh, it, it wasn't being. It wasn't really trying to challenge the viewer. Right. Then, in that sense, that that's the example of. Well, it was, but again, this is, this isn't necessarily a, a very. Uh, it's. A glamorous, I want to say, yeah. a glamorous type of conflict that's easy to. Uh, to dramatize. Yeah. Because you've got to know if you're talking about PTSD, you're talking about mental trauma and that sort of thing you've got to establish the individuals or the character's state of mind and you can't necessarily so in doing that you've got to follow the character in times of stress in times of calm and just just as from from a storytelling standpoint so we understand sort of what their baselines are and what their triggers so then you can see where they're changing or or why they would freeze up or why uh or what would set them off mm. and so it may not be as uh it may not be as colorful may not be as graphic but i would argue it's still quality storytelling yeah 
Uh, it, it's just you may not have all the bubble gum and candy uh, set pieces and or shoot, you know, action scenes around that. But instead, they set them around more backstory. Uh, again, uh, conflict that was developed uh, maybe through through perception of of skin color of of, mm-hmm. of a position within the culture and then just illustrating cultural betrayal between the partners uh the mm-hmm. as they as they were as they were doing some background story so right. when you were you're talking about uh bushmaster mm-hmm. bushmaster yeah. uh his his motivation was he was coming back to harlem to claim the 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 uh, the kingdom or the the empire mm-hmm. that his family had been cheated out of by oh who I wanted to see a lot of uh, Alfred Woodard's character and I forgot hmm. yeah. uh, so you saw that backdrop yeah. you saw the background of where how these characters came to be mm-hmm. and and let's not forget. Uh, in this world, Luke Cage, in a sense, is an interloper. He's not yeah. from here. He just sh- in that universe. He just showed up in the Harlem. So we're seeing how the whole world was established. And so I think again, it may not be as as sexy, but it's really. Uh, but I think it's important in order to get back to these ideas of of trauma, mental trauma, and betrayal, and, and those sort of stories. Right, right. All right, Radio Sound family, uh, if you are just tuning in, you are just in time for the break. Uh, we are talking about Luke Cage Season 2, uh, me and my brother Bubba Murray. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in just a minute. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its Northside location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872 Eight zero six zero one four one. That's area code eight seven two eight zero six zero one four one, or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Radio Slam. This is your host, Tariq el and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Remember to follow us, like us on social media. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Look for us at Radio Islam USA. Um, since I botched 
his intro earlier. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a proper introduction um, before we get back into our conversation about Luke Cage season two. Um, it's movie talk, as I just mentioned. We're Luke Cage season two. Bubba Murray is 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 here with me, and he is an award-winning writer, director, hailing from Oak Park. His background includes receiving the ABC Writing Fellowship, writing for Desperate Housewives, participating in the NBC Diversity Scene Showcase twice, and being accepted into the Fox Writing Initiative. Most recently, his short film, Robox, won Best Children's Film in the 2017 International Black Film Festival. Bubba serves as both lead content and social media director for Burma Task Force. How was that? I liked it. I really liked it. Okay, see, that was was a whole lot better than that. It was that smooth. grenade I threw earlier. It was smooth and it 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 had an arc to it. And just when you thought it was going to end, there's a twist. I like yeah. that. So um, we brought up some of the themes, and and I think in exploring, and because and, like I said, the word we used was complex, right, and, and layered. Uh, the issues that that the writers uh, addressed in season two of Luke Cage are no less important than police brutality which is something that is much more blatant uh, in in your face when we see these you know videos um and of course disturbing and worthy of of talking about but those other issues that we bypass every day we go past people every day who have mental health issues who are emotionally distraught um or or who are going through uh, possibly as the abuser or the abused in domestic uh violence uh situations we see these things all the time, and but but and they are just as important. So, I'm glad that we're talking about those things, and I want to bring up one of the other things that was um, that was presented, and that was disability, right? Living with or coping with disability. Um, Simone Missick, um, Misty, uh, Misty Knight, yeah. yeah. So in the first season. Last last episode, she lost. It was the last episode. Wasn't no, no. It? So that was in the Defenders. Oh, she lost it in the Defenders. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you for the correction. So yeah. So she lost her uh, lost her arm right at the elbow. Yes. Um, and season two of Luke Cage picks up with her trying to get readjusted. So what what were your thoughts on that on that whole process between? Uh, I guess, denial or feeling bad for herself, you know, and then kind of moving along. I found it interesting because with her character, she was coming in from two levels. First, it was, like she said, she she was known as being like a super athlete, badass cop, or I'm pardoning, I mean, she's a bad cop. This is AM. This is AM. No, go ahead. (laughs) Okay, but she was, (laughs) she was, she was a great cop. Yeah. And uh, really physical, and since she could chase down the bad guys and Never shied away from a fight. Right. Not only now did she have to deal with losing her arm, she also was facing her reputation because her partner, now this was definitely in the last season of Luke Cage, her partner was a dirty cop. Yeah. And who had been a partner for years. So all of the cases that he worked on, mm-hmm. all those people now are set free. because, And then people are wondering, did you did she know about it? You know, she's supposed to be so close to him. So she's got her, she's now got a tarnished reputation and she's injured. And so with that, she's, I felt she was overcompensating 
by forcing herself or just, I mean, that's how they presented her. You know, she's right. kind of overcompensating, forcing herself onto the force, not even taking on a partner in a sense, but just I'm going to get up there in front of everybody and and do cases the way I want to do it. Right. But then once she gets away from the people, like away from the other officers, it seems like she's really broken down until she runs into one of her fr- – uh, a friend of hers who she met from the defenders who was one of the characters from the iron fist right, right. uh so uh in break break down the defenders give give us a okay, quick so, give us a quick uh minute uh, overview of the defenders okay. for those who may not be familiar with it all right so the defenders was a was the netflix marvel television universe version of the avengers mm-hmm. so they took Many of the of the Marvel television shows, including or characters, including Daredevil, uh, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage, and they teamed up to save New York against the uh, incursion of these ninjas who were looking to seek immortality, led by Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, of all people. Yeah. So, so it was. I enjoyed it. It was a she's great a great team. villain. I'm sorry. Oh, I just have to say. Yeah. Oh, she was really good. So it was a great team up mm-hmm. uh, of those four characters, and in one of the uh, climactic battles, Misty Knight loses her arm defending uh, one of her one of the associates of Iron Fist or Danny Rand, and I forgot mm-hmm. her name. So. Now, weeks or months later, we're we're seeing the fallout from these battles. Uh, Daredevil, Daredevil is presumed dead. Luke Cage now is more popular. Danny Rand is he's out in the forefront, and Jessica Jones is getting back to doing her work. Mm-hmm. Now, Misty. Now that now that we're getting back into you know this into regular life she's trying to get her world back together and that includes going back to work so you've got the mix of from the end of luke cage season one where misty knight's reputation has been put on through the ringer because her as i was saying before her partner was a dirty cop Mm -hmm. and so and she stood up for him so many times and then now she's also missing a limb so she's She's lost her reputation and she's lost her physical ability. So, so I think that she's someone who, rather than taking time for herself to step back and see what the big picture is, she's almost jumping forward so she doesn't have to stop and think about where she's at. Mm. And that's what a lot of people do sometimes when they face tragedy or face some sort of uh, obstacles. They rather than think about it they keep themselves too busy and they they overwhelm themselves and then inadvertently destroying their current relationships as well as their their mental being there was a there's also another um another observation in that it was Misty's coworkers their response to her the way they reacted to her coming back with um, you know missing an arm, 
or part of her arm. And that, I think, also was something that resonates with people who have either suffered an injury that changes their, if not their appearance, but their mobility. Um, And, uh, you know, to see that and to see her stand up and then shout it out, right, in in the office and say, look, yeah, I'm missing the arm and, you know, blah, 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 I'm here to do my job and do yours, right? This idea of engaging well, and I don't think it's it's nothing. Um, there's nothing negative about it intentionally. I think, but we are used to dealing with each other, um, and we get used to you know we get used to the the physical appearance, uh, and and that also becomes maybe a subconscious way of uh, uh, placing valuation on people as well. So when when she came in missing an arm and she's like look you know i'm still the same same person and actually this i found this really really kind of disturbing that they were joking some of them were joking about the fact that she was uh that she had lost the arm and i thought that was that well, was and really the, and interesting. this is the thing and then this is now this is part of just the the story itself yeah. now while misty had been with his dirty partner she still was in favor with the administration right so those people kept her on the force so you've got people who are her who are her co-workers thinking that oh she doesn't deserve this job and then or calling her out as a token as far as the the token injured cop who's got the great story Mm -hmm. so so that's where some of that animosity i'd say came from her co-workers but again she's but it's got to be a line, though, right? No, no, it is. But I think, but that's, the, but that's part of it. Yeah, she has to pretend that she's above it, and it doesn't bother her. You know, she can't. Her character, you know, she's not. She's afraid to admit any sort of weakness or frailty. So right. That, so that's part of that mental exhaustion or ringer that she's going through. Mm-hmm. That you know, you shouldn't have to go through. That that shouldn't. And unless you know, you know, if people are out to get you, they will find something easy to target you yeah. and bring you down with. Yeah, yeah. I just, and I, I agree with you. I was just a bit uh, taken aback to see that that was the response of her, of her fellow officers to her, regardless of how they felt about her, mm-hmm. uh, as as a token, uh, as a as a kiss up or anything, right? But when somebody when somebody uh, endures an injury, injury, particularly in the line of duty. That it's not, you know, some of those things you push to the side. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, there's another uh, thing I'm interested to hear your thoughts on. Some, and I'm speaking generally, but some heroes seem to be trusted. And there's a very small, there's a small cadre of, of, of heroes that fall into that, that group. Uh, and others are kind of, uh, I don't want to say, I'll, I'll say vilified, okay. right? They're People are suspicious of them. And so the trusted ones, I would say, we look at Captain America, right? He's the Captain America, right? Um, And then, you know, you've got Superman. But those other ones, like if you look at Batman or Spider-Man, probably more more Batman than than Spider-Man. But uh, because it was only J. J. Jonah Jameson that was really after him. Um, But Luke Cage falls Mm -hmm. into that, that group of... Heroes that exist and may be appreciated by appreciated by the community, but distrusted by the um, by the, the law Powers enforcement apparatus. Yeah, yeah. I, I 
it, it's, it is interesting. I think it's maybe some subliminal packaging mm -hmm. because you've got, again, you've, you've got, uh, let's say, Captain America, who is, I mean, he is the American way. He's the, the big Nordic blonde guy who, mm -hmm. you know, served his country and... And again, just wears the colors openly on his sleeves. You know, again, he's he's he is he is definitely he's wrapped in the red, white, and blue. Right. Uh, he doesn't. He's a soldier, so he's taking orders. He's not one who's going to necessarily think for himself or buck authority. He's the type of person that's going to look at what. He, He's, he's going to look at what's in play. He's going to fight for the status quo. Mm. And I think that... I think that's a character that's comfortable for people. Mm. And it's it's interesting to talk about because it's, it's fantasy. You know, it's Captain America is not real. But how you see him as a, as a very comfortable, uh, all-American character without any sort of... Uh, for, for the most part, especially in the MCU, without the those scandal, those feelings, those feelings are real. It's a yes. fictitious yeah, character, universe. but but he, but the, yeah. the feelings that he emote, that he that emote from dealing when you think about Captain America mm -hmm. are positive, patriot, patriotic, and all and whatnot. You right. can like other characters, you can like your Luke Cage, mm -hmm. but it also makes you feel a little rebellious, right. and you know you want to stick it to the people who've done you wrong. Yeah, and so. It's, I do find that interesting, and I, I think it is part of the marketing. Uh, as far as what, as a culture, we're sold as what's right and what's wrong, mm -hmm. and and then Captain America is what's right with America. Superman, and I'm only kind of separating them because they're two different universes: DC versus Marvel. But right. Superman is still he used to be truth, justice, the American way. I mean, they. And he's red, white, and blue, also. Right, and they took—I mean—they took the American way out just to be uh, more globally accepted in other markets. But right. that's what Superman was for generations, mm -hmm. uh, and whatever that meant was just big, strong white man standing in front of people who can lift things. You know, that's. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I—I I th I will say another one. This is more on the DC side. Would be a Wonder Woman. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Again, but it's funny these characters who give you that feeling. They're still like propaganda. They're still dressed in the red, white, and blue. Yeah. They still have got the stars, the stars and bars. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean the American stars and bars, not the Confederate stars and bars. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they've got that decoration. They've got that plumage around them yeah. of of America and not America. But America, <laughs> the beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's. I think what you like about it is that they represent the promise of what America could be, mm -hmm. and then you've got your your vigilantes who represent more of what, at least in my fantasy, were like what America is. And see, there's also there's an argument about. Can we determine who your heroes are going to be? Uh, and I think that when it comes to those those heroes that are celebrated by the communities they serve, but 
decried and, um, you know, chased and vilified by the institutions, organizations that are actually supposed to keep them safe, uh, there's this tension that comes about. We want to brand you as a criminal, but the people love you, right? So it's, it kind of goes back to that old uh, Robin Hood mm-hmm. uh, type of thing, what, without, the, without the stealing, you know, from the rich and giving to the poor. But they are giving something back to the poor, particularly when you look at, a, when you look at um, where Luke Cage is set, set up, you know, it's set up in Harlem. It's set up in, uh, in areas where there is violence. There, there, uh, th- these negative things that exist in the real world, they're all right there mm-hmm. in, in this universe. So, and he's, he's a sign of safety. And it's funny. I want to go back and say, uh, do you remember the scene when he was walking down the street and he was stopped by like two or three people at the same time, some kids, and they're like, hey, um, my, my, my sister's afraid to come out the house. And then somebody else comes at him and they says, well, you know, uh, you, you got to stop these guys over here from doing this. And somebody else tells them something else, right? Everybody has a demand for them. Yeah. Right. Because and and they bring it to them because they know, even though they clowned him a little bit, you know, at mm-hmm. the end saying you ain't gonna do nothing, um, but that but they know he's got a track record and he's invested in them. Um, so I, I find that interesting that the the heroes that the people love are very rarely accepted by the the, the power structure, very and, rarely. And I'll see uh, this is in going stepping backwards from out of Luke Cage but looking more at the characters in general in this in those Netflix ones yeah I feel like those are really all the characters they've picked and I, which I as I as you say that mm-hmm. it made me think of who these characters are that they've given series to and and made part of their little universe yeah you've got Daredevil who's the you know the devil of Hell's Kitchen you know Hell's yeah. Kitchen isn't a nice place to be either yeah uh You've got Jessica Jones, who she doesn't really seem to uh, belong to a region, but her character, the people she deals with, she's a seedy uh, private eye character who's not in the Defenders, but is part of that universe, the Punisher. There's nothing yeah. nice about that guy. No. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. so. Straight vigilante. <laughs> so they've taken, and I think is interesting, a lot of these characters that may have darker stories Hmm. but because of the times we live in maybe because of the cynicism that is in the zeitgeist of the world there's that's really relatable yeah it's you know it's maybe there's this idea of i can't trust you you know if i trust you too much there's something wrong with you there's got to be something wrong and i like and i and i feel more comfortable with the person who's going to buck the system that's how all those characters are. And if you now they're like cousins to the movies mm-hmm. where I feel all the movie characters like in the the Avengers type of people they're all real positive and yeah I'm leaving DC out of this one mm-hmm. because uh they don't know what they're doing <laughs> with their mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. but but you've got you know you've got <laughs> Black Widow uh, uh, what's his face? Hawkeye. You know those those people yeah. who are who you have a positive. Uh, they have a positive relationship with with the establishment because they are part of the establishment. But they're more. Would you say that they're more second tier? Oh yeah, yeah. but 
Well, the, well, those are the wrong ones to use. So, I'm yeah. oh, sorry, shouldn't have made that noise. But uh, uh, you got your Ant Man. <laughs> you've got your. Well, you've got the second round of Marvel superheroes. But of that first group, mm-hmm. they're so over the top. Yeah. Thor, Hulk. I mean, Hulk is just a brute, but he doesn't relate to anything. He's just kind of this. Yeah. He, there's beast. no social conscious. He just yeah. He doesn't. Those characters aren't necessarily linked into the community mm-hmm. where the the characters they picked for the television shows are linked to communities to specific issues luke cage you've got the race issues now you've got the as you were talking about domestic abuse you've got in other words we're talking about like yeah self-hate self-hate within your own race these are the storylines that they're talking about in those mm-hmm. uh with avenger stuff you're just talking about magic stones there aren't real social issues that are going along with the stories right and uh so 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 i think that's what makes shows like luke cage and then these more powerful and allow you to even have these sort of discussions right also because you're you're following these characters for 13 hours Mm -hmm. you know we're not seeing them for just two so we're seeing a lot when Uh, when it comes absolutely but when it comes to the um to the backstories there was like this little gem that was dropped that could have really been its own season. It could have been seasons that they could have taken out of this. And that is when they were given the, when they were given the backstory to how uh, Harlem Paradise uh, came to be and how Bushmaster's family uh, ended up, you know, leaving and, you know, back in Jamaica. Um, telling that story about the Jamaican uh, his Jamaican, I guess, grandfather, and the uh, up from the South African American, you know, yeah. who, um, and they both, I think it was Bumpy or I don't know what his name was, but the two of them were in business together, and one has the the, the the liquor, right, and the other has the establishment, right, the property, yeah, yeah, the property, right, and um, and they said that what tore them apart, they says. They, I guess as they were getting successful, then they said they had the, the Irish cops and the Italian uh, bootleggers, I guess, at the time uh, that wanted to, to, to come in and be their distributor. They wanted to take over the, 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 the rum, right, that mm-hmm. they had. And the, uh, and, and the Irish uh, that were the uh, comprised, basically, that they were the police, that they were, I guess, looking for a cut of the action, right? They wanted... They wanted, they, you know, they wanted in. They wanted their profits as well. So it came to a point where the external forces between the two of these are what caused the rift between them. And, and that transferred on down generations. That, to me, would have been an awesome, an awesome story. Well, then what I would say is, it, it, I mean, that's still part of it. And so what, going back to the deal with the critic is... yeah. Then what the critic misses is these these types of stories and these part of the stuff the backstory. Yeah. That's all the institutionalized race. Th- that's what yes. this has, and I'm just exactly. just coming to me now. Exactly. A lot of institutionalized racism. It's institutionalized like self hatred that went into all these characters. Again, mm-hmm. things that aren't necessarily illustrated by one glamorous scene of somebody walking in with a car door. Right. But you see it. You know, it has to be revealed. These are layers. You have to reveal the layers of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's still just as uh, as important to see that 
the reason they were in this situation is because of the racism in the in the well, I'm not sure exactly what time period these guys I'm thinking were thinking like 30s or something 30s like 40s. that. Yeah, 30s, so, 40s, so the yeah. racism that that set up these divides mm-hmm. started way back then. Whereas the first season of Luke Cage just was clamping onto the the volatility or the vitriol or the the emotion of the day. Right. The second season really addressed how years and generations of of this sort of abuse has affected uh, the community. Mm-hmm. And we, because it all becomes, for a lot of these characters, who is going to be ruling? And well, in order to rule Harlem, it's not going to be with the fist. It's going to be with, it's going to be with influence and whoever controls that piece of land, mm-hmm. that bar, uh, that becomes the most important uh, treasure, I'll say, for these characters. Okay. Well, but it has been uh, it's been a pleasure as always, uh, Radio Sound family. The so what we just got through talking about and are the things that. To, to paraphrase what you said, it's, it's not it's not what's always uh, glamorous, right? It's not it's not in your face, but the issues that were dealt with are no less important and no less uh, uh, impactful uh, and worthy of being talked about. But it really deserves a close watching, uh, a thoughtful watching, and we'd be interested to see uh, to hear what you may think uh, what you have seen uh, if you've watched it okay with that uh, we are going to get on out of here want to thank our engineer in studio um, the impressive one Ibrahim Beg. also thank our engineers over at WCEV for making sure we come through loud and clear um, I'm your host Tariq Alameen our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid we remind you that the views expressed by the host and or guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation and with that, good people, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.